0: Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.
1: I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. I'm joined by Buck Sanders, Greg Barnes, and Jason Staples. You're listening to the Inside Carolina podcast, Gentlemen Football Roundtable. 2019 schedule was released on Wednesday, and we're going to talk about it. And I'm going to start with Greg Barnes. Uh, How we'll do this is we'll go back and forth, debate, whatever we want to talk about. Each person can pick a game or two that they feel is the most important on the schedule. And you know me, they're all must-wins. Greg, (laughs) your overall thought when you saw the schedule come out earlier on Wednesday.
0: Well, and watching kind of how everything had played out with other teams Uh, scheduling for non-conference games, speaking about ACC teams, we knew coming into uh, Wednesday that the second game of the season or the second weekend of the season, September 7th, was one of two options. It was a bye week or it was Miami. Uh, And the reason why is because every other team that UNC was scheduled to play had a game scheduled for September 7th. And my concern was that they're going to give North Carolina a bye week on September 7th, which I think would just be horrible. This is a 14-week season this year, so you're going to have two byes. And I guess some people could say, well, you know, if you have a bye after that first game, it gives you time to kind of recalibrate and make sure you have things where you want them moving forward. Uh, But I, I really, really thought North Carolina needed that bye week to be a little bit later. We knew that they had games against Wake and App State those next two weeks. So even if it was the you know, the end of September, that 28th date, at least at that point, you've got a full month of four games under your belt. You can kind of take a breather at that point. So I really like the fact that Miami is there just because I think they needed an opponent there. Uh, but when you look at how this schedule sets up, North Carolina does not leave the state of North Carolina in the first five weeks of the season. And for Mac Brown and the way that he is pushing uh, recruiting in state, I think that's important. I think that's a good thing. I think the fact that you have some tough games in that stretch, and we can kind of break break that down as we go along. Uh, South Carolina is going to be a tough game. I know South Carolina wasn't great by any stretch this season, uh, but they got some good guys coming back. Miami will be interesting. Uh, they've got a ton of talent, as we know, but kind of been all over the place.
2: Now nice their talent's overrated. <laughs>
0: no, I'm serious.
2: Ta- they don't have a whole lot. They don't have any more talent on that roster than North Carolina does.
1: They certainly don't live up to it. Uh,
2: you think so, I, Jason? You think? I'm, I'm I'm telling you the truth. I don't see a whole lot more talent on that Miami roster than I do at North Carolina. They're better. No, they've got more defensive talent, but then offensively, I think Carolina's got more talent. So yeah, they're, You know, there's some more defensive talent, but it's not. You know, we're not talking about two teams in different talent tiers here
0: but we know that coaching has been an issue there for a long time. And so uh-huh. it'll be interesting to see if, if Manny can do anything with it, but that remains to be seen at Wake's going to be a tough one app state, just because of everything behind that game will be interesting. And that'll be a tough game as well. Even though Satterfield is left for Louisville. And then of course you got Clemson coming in, uh, which that game could get ugly. So I think you have a lot of That's difficult enough. games early, um, but I think that's good. I think this is the first year of a new staff. I know a lot of people have you know, that, the idea that Mac's going to come in and turn things around automatically, and this is going to be a really good team. Dude, that is asking an awful lot. So if you can play some good teams early, even if you lose a lot of those games, you kind of gel, you, you learn what your team is about, you can make some changes. Then you get into the second half of the season. Then you've got two bye weeks. Then you've got a lot of opponents that you can beat, that you probably have more talent than so even if you struggle early you have a chance to close very strong get to a bowl game win some of your rivalry games against the local teams duke virginia nc state and even if you don't go to a big bowl i think you go to a bowl game and that really sets the stage for another off season where you can try to you know have a good recruiting class you can really sell the idea that hey you know, we we won five games in two years we won more than that our first year and so that's really kind of a a springboard for that, that second year under Mac.
1: Jason, I'll come to you since, uh, you're in on the Miami talent issue deficiency, uh, whatever you want to call it. Greg likes the first part of the schedule. I'm not a huge fan. Uh, I, I get the, <laughs> I get the in-state portion of it, but I don't like seeing South Carolina, Miami and Wake Forest, especially, um, in 12 days or 13 days or whatever it is. I I just think that's an awful lot. I do agree that September 7th did not need to be a buy. That would have been worst case scenario. But, you know, that Thursday night after a a Miami, you know, a two-week run with South Carolina and Miami, I I think it sets up for trouble. We know how Carolina's fared in Winston of late. Uh, But your overall take on what you're looking at?
2: Yeah, I mean (sighs) – I actually kind of tilt towards the the towards you on that, Tommy. In terms of the the Wake Forest game, it scares me with its placement on the schedule. Because overall, when you look at the schedule in a vacuum, just the teams that Carolina's playing, Wake Forest is a game that you look at and you go, okay, that's that that should be an or that should be a, a win. That should be a game that you know you can pencil in as you got more talent. You should be able to win that game, and then you put it on a short week on the road that makes it a lot harder now on the flip side this gets to to uh to Greg's earlier point that it the the on the road part of going into a Thursday game matters a lot less when it's a bus ride down the road i mean it's you know an hour and a half away not getting on a plane multiple days away and when it's coming off the heels of two other games that are in state so it it's not a situation where even though you're playing three games in what is that 12 days 13 days even though you're playing that and that's not ideal you're not as travel weary as you might be normally playing that many games in in that short amount of time so that's the plus side i mean cuz it's not just the this is something a lot of people don't think about. It's not just the the on-field stuff that gets a team tired or gets them quote-unquote banged up for the next week that that can affect you. It's travel. I mean anybody who's traveled, you know, knows that spending time in airports and buses and and you know hotels and all that stuff, it leaves you fatigued. And so, you know, it's a benefit to be to be sleeping in your own bed, to be at home and doing all that stuff. And so when I look at it, I say, yeah, you know that I'd like to have that Wake Forest game. If I, if that Wake Forest game was on a Saturday, I'd really like the opening schedule because I like opening with South Carolina. It gives you a chance to, you know, either meet some of the hype or not right away. Kind of lets you know who you are out out the gate. Gives you a chance to to match up with the team that that is physical, that has some talent, uh, and but is still a team that is still kind of in your same talent tier. I mean, that gives you a chance. I like that. Then Miami, that's a team where again, you know, they're going to they're going to come in generally speaking with people thinking that they're better than they actually are. So, you know, that's a chance to maybe really impress some people even even if you don't win that game, if you're if you if you uh, if if you're uh, if that's a competitive game, then then you can get some clout out of that. If you do win that game, then then that's gravy. If Wake Forest was on a Saturday, I'd feel real good about it. But the problem is, I look at that and I say that Wake Forest game is a real losable game on a Thursday after after those those first two. Then coming back with Appalachian, that's fine. You know, apps absolute apps just fine there. I mean, you should be able to win that game. So you know, I I I like the first month except for that Thursday aspect of it. But um, but I do think that Miami game is is going to be super interesting because. You know they've had some guys depart. Uh, they've got some talent on defense and some experienced talent on defense, but they're not as deep or quite as talented as people think they are. They're, you know their linebacking core is pretty dang good, uh, but offensively, and you know in in some other areas, I, I think I think they their talent level is is uh, is often thought to be better than than it than it is. I mean, this year there were people that legitimately thought that they had comparable talent going into the LSU game, and I just thought that was nuts. It's like, no, I I I, I know who who they have on that roster. They're a top of the ACC Coastal Division team, but they don't have more talent on that roster than say Virginia Tech or or, or you know comparable teams in that tier. So. You know, I like the chance with the with a quarterback that is in this new system and and is comfortable with one of the guys that they're going to have out there of being able to be competitive in that game.
0: Well, one thing I wanted to add about Wake Forest is I think people have to be careful when you're you're scoping out the schedule and you say, "Oh, there's Wake." They yeah, they went to a bowl game and won. They were seven and six, but that's not a team that North Carolina has to worry about. Dave Clawson is one of the best coaches in the ACC, and we spent a lot He's of time really back in back in 2017, talking about injuries. What Wake Forest went through this year was on par with what North Carolina endured in 2017. They had 130, this is before the bowl game, 130 lost games due to injury and in they're too deep alone. They lost two of their quarterbacks. Mm. Um, and so the the ability for Clawson to coach that team to a bowl game and to a winning record uh, is incredible. He did a heck of a job this year. So I think that's a better team uh, because they're going to have a lot of those guys coming back that were injured. We we had a whole conversation last offseason, right? Yeah, you got a lot of guys who probably shouldn't have been playing. Uh, now they have a lot of experience. So they're going to be better. I mean, Wick Forrest was down to one scholarship linebacker at the end of <laughs> the year. One. That's all they had. Uh, so I think that is a game that while Miami – of course, because of the name, South Carolina, because it's the season opener, Clemson, because of the defending national title. And then you got App State in there as well. Uh, so you've got a lot of big names there that are interesting. It's, it's easy for Wake to kind of get lost in the mix. But when you add that to what you guys are talking about with it being a short week, combined with, with Clawston doing a good job there, uh, I think that is a, a, a difficult game for the Tar Heels.
1: Yeah, that's why I don't like the first five. Buck, your thoughts on uh... – on the first we'll just stick with the first five, the the theme of the show thus far.
3: Well, I would start <clears throat> with um kind of going over a couple of details that, that um, may have gotten lost in the previous discussion, which is that uh game against Wake Forest, um although we didn't know it was on a Thursday night, we knew it had to come in the early part of the schedule, because it's a non-conference game. Uh, So, you know, they didn't have a tremendous amount of control over that. And then going back to what Jason had to say about travel, Wake Forest is playing on the same amount of rest as North Carolina is, and they are traveling to Rice. So uh, September 7th, when North Carolina is playing at home, Wake Forest is going to be traveling to Texas and back. Uh, on five days of rest, so I, I think they got the shorter end of the stick there as opposed to North carolina uh South Carolina, uh, people say they you know they weren't a great team in last year, but if you look at some of their losses, they didn't really lose to a bad team uh unless uh and even included in that mix, uh bowl game lost to Virginia Virginia's not a bad team. They got shellacked in the in the belt bowl, 28-zip, but their other losses were all to ranked teams. They lost to number three, Georgia. They lost to number 17, Kentucky. They lost to number 22, Texas A&M. They lost to number 15, Florida. They lost to number two, Clemson. So I, I'm not as down on South Carolina as some people might be. You look at their overall you know record, It's not that great, but uh, they had some pretty stiff competition there when you look at who they actually lost to. Um, Miami, uh, I often defer to Jason Staples' judgment on a ton of matters. But uh, if there is any validity in the team rankings, uh, Miami is a much more talented team than North Carolina. Uh, but on the record, on the, their roster last year, they had 33 four-star players and one five-star player on that roster. Uh, North Carolina had 12. So th- they had like three times the number of four-star players that North Carolina did. They'd go to the other end of the spectrum, Wake Forest had uh, zero four stars on their roster uh last year as the gap between uh north carolina and wake forest talent wise is greater than that between miami and north carolina at least if you go by the 24 7 composite rankings so um you know i think i still think miami is a very talented team um uh, so that will be, you know, certainly a, a game that will get circled on the calendar as the home opener. Um, Miami games are quite often unpredictable in Kenan stadium. There's been a couple of upset wins there and some losses that probably shouldn't have been losses uh, by North Carolina and Kenan. So uh, there's that element of unpredictably, you know, unpredictability in there as well. App state. Um, I'm I'm not as I'm not going to circle that as a W in that in those first part of the schedule. um, App State, uh, you know, it was a very very young team last year. I know they've got a brand new coaching staff, but you know they're going to be psyched to be playing uh, North Carolina and and at Chapel Hill. uh, To be sure, they're going to bring their A game, and as a team definitely that north carolina can't take lightly and then you know you got clemson uh
2: let's not even talk about that game at all uh, <laughs> let's all just avoid that one as long yeah, as the elf is a quarterback there and nobody's really gonna do much against them
3: yeah it it's awesome and uh fear inducing to realize they've got that kid for two more years i mean it's uh if he can duplicate that championship performance. Uh, on a regular basis and he kind of did for the most part uh, down the stretch with clemson uh it's gonna, they're going to be uh, a tough team for anybody to beat he looked there's a lot of lot like Peyton Manning though. in that one didn't he oh my god there's just a lot in that early part of the schedule that uh you know was unavoidable we knew we were going to open with south carolina uh we knew wake forest would be in the early part of the or the Uh, schedule we knew appalachian state would be there uh to get clemson on the 28th is is a little bit of uh the acc didn't do mac any favors coming on the heels of those other early games so i do think the early part of the schedule is the tougher part you know after clemson we could talk about that you know let let you guys discuss that as well but you know georgia tech complete coaching staff change there and that roster is not built at this point to do what Jeff Collins wants it to do. So, you know, there's a lot going on on the back end of the schedule too. So there's a, you know, how this schedule actually plays out on the field is yet to be seen. And one thing that my final note on the early part of the schedule is that, you know, we've talked in recent years, um, North Carolina having to start out uh, against teams that had a first year head coach. Uh, they did it against Cal when Cal visited North Carolina year before last. Uh, Virginia Tech and Mark Rick and didn't really have a lot of film, didn't know what to expect, didn't know you know who was even you know, going to be the starters really, and had very little film on them. South Carolina's going to be in the same spot next year they're they're really not going to know what to expect from Phil Longo and Jay Bateman They're not going to know who the quarterback's going to be and probably until the last minute and even if they do know they're going to have zero really film just a half maybe for one player or another to judge you know how do you defend this quarterback so um, South Carolina is in a little bit of a tough spot as well because. Yeah, you know, they're not really no not going to know what to expect from North Carolina, and I think that's to the Tar Heels' advantage.
1: It's an interesting thought there, Buck. We'll continue it. Um, we'll take a short break. We'll come back. We'll sort of look at the weirdness that you bring up there with the the coaching changes and what to expect. But we'll we'll do that right after this break. Greg, I'll come to you on it, and then we can discuss it. I mean, Buck's right. There is nothing – I don't think you could look at any of these games and assume anything like maybe you could if things were the same way they were last year year before. Looking at, uh, you know, South Carolina, I'm of the opinion of a few things, but until Carolina beats South Carolina, I don't believe they'll beat South Carolina. And the same with Wake Forest. But now that Mac Brown and his staff are here, (laughs) I'm confused, Greg. So so, tell us how we're supposed to think about that. I mean, if Carolina can somehow get the 4-0 and going to Clemson or with Clemson coming to town, and I think getting Clemson out of the way as early as possible is the best thing. You don't want them to be at the, f- the first game of the season because we've seen how teams have been totally wrecked by playing somebody like Alabama right out the gate. Um, but get them out of the way early. But these other games, I mean – makes me laugh to see people say, well, I see eight or nine wins for a team that hadn't even won three, more than three in two years. So Greg makes sense of it.
0: (laughs) Uh, That's a tall task, Tommy. Yeah. I think when you, when you look at South Carolina, there's a, there's a lot of excitement for good reason. Mac uh, is is back in town and has a very good staff and there's a lot of hope around the program, which is, which is critical. You've got to have that. But you also have to say that a lot of the same people are excited that Sam Howell is going to be there at spring ball. Well, if Sam Howell is your starting quarterback, he gets to play against the South Carolina defense run by Will Muschamp in his first game. That's a tough ask. Uh, then you're breaking in a new offense. You're breaking in a new defense. And if it's not Howell, if it's Cade Fortin or, or Jace Reuter, um, you know those guys have played a little bit, not a whole lot. So you're still breaking in a young guy, even though they may have a little bit more experience. So uh, that's going to be a tough game uh, regardless. But yeah, I I think if you're looking at the early part of this schedule, kind of like what you said there, Tommy, if you're you're going on the assumption that North Carolina will be 4-0 going into Clemson, well, we're talking about an incredible year for Mack Brown in his first season. That's asking an awful lot. And I think when you look at this, they're probably going to be an underdog in South Carolina. Probably going to be an underdog to Miami. We'll have to see about Wake. I mean, that game could be pretty close to a pick 'em. Carolina should be a favorite ever app, even though, as, as Buck said, they got a lot of young guys. And uh, as, as a great journalist once said about the Cowboys, when Jimmy Johnson moved on, a well-oiled machine will keep running for a while before it needs any kind of mechanics help. And so, even if Eli is not a, a great head coach, uh, just like we, what we saw this year with, with Josh Heupel down at Central Florida. That team will be good next year. Now, can he maintain that? that that's yet to be determined. But for North Carolina's purposes, uh, I think that team should be pretty good when they come to town there the you know, third week of September. And then, of course, you have Clemson. So, I mean, if I, I think two and three is, is I won't say best-case scenario, but probably likely. You maybe you could argue three and two. I think three and two would be a really good stretch out of those first five games. Probably two and three is what you're looking at. Um so I think I think that's probably the the most realistic approach. But then you after that, I think you do get those bye weeks and you do get to play some teams that kind of work in your favor. I mean, like Georgia Tech, right? And we know Jeff Collins is a is a good defensive coach, always has been. Uh but he's having to kind of transition his offense from PJ uh, PJ's you know, unique run game style to whatever it is that Collins wants to run, so that's going to be a work in progress. And then you at Virginia Tech, I think there's a little bit of pressure on Justin Fuente. Uh, you know they were not good last year, and they really benefited from a from a weak coastal, even though they really didn't take advantage of it. Uh, but still, were able to get some wins. They had some injuries they dealt with. Duke lost their uh, quarterback to the NFL. It's going to be interesting to see what they do at the quarterback position. Uh, you know, has, has done a good job with the Blue Devils, of course. Virginia, I think, should be pretty good. Uh, and then you're at Pitt. North Carolina f- seemingly can't lose at Pitt when, or against Pitt at all since they've been in the ACC. And then, of course, NC State. So I, I really think once you get beyond uh, September, things are really on the table there. If you can endure that opening stretch, make sure everybody knows what they're supposed to be doing. See that you can have success then you're really in position to to be in each and every one of those games. And at that point, it's just a matter of how quickly things come together to determine how many of those games UNC can actually win.
1: Jason, before we really get into the last half, which I I do agree, I think it opens up nicely for North Carolina, but I, I don't know of a year maybe i say this every year if somebody pulled the old <laughs> <El> podcast <Pike> <laughs> i'm not gonna lie i can't remember but I, I don't know i I don't know of a year where it seems like there's as much uncertainty not just with north carolina but like all across the coastal um there's only one certain thing in the atlantic coast conference that's clemson ain't losing barring catastrophic injuries to more than one guy clemson's not losing in the acc I don't, I don't see it happening but other than that, I mean what's Mac Brown worth in the wind column for North Carolina? Um, how do you how can we even know that? And how will we know that until we're in the middle of September, or October? Um, you know, your thoughts on that uncertainty, it's just it's weird to me.
2: It's the coastal. <laughs> yeah,
1: which is chaotic. I mean
2: yeah, I mean, how many years has the coastal come in where the team picked last or second to last in the coastal ends up playing in the in the title game or ends up you know first or second in the division I mean it seems it seems like what was it four or five years ago that there was a legit chance going into the last week that every team in the conference would end every team in that side would be four and four I mean it's the coastal you just never know what to expect there uh what I do like though for for Carolina is that I think they've got some talent at the quarterback position which helps. Yeah, there's some uncertainty about which guy it's going to be. But if you got 3 guys that can play and I think based on what we saw last year, we, we we have a pretty good sense that 2 of them can and the other one's coming out of high school with a lot of with a lot of accolades. So, you know, you got to feel pretty good. That takes a lot of uncertainty out. Once you have a guy that can play under center, once that guy's taking snaps, and you you know you're going to get consistency there. That's really what what allows a team to take off. I mean, college football is about two things in my in my view. If you want to be a consistently competitive team, you better have a good quarterback and you better have a solid defensive line. If you have those two things, you're going to be competitive. And I think Carolina will at least have one of them next year. And you know we'll see about the the defensive line. As for how much Mac's worth, at this point, I just don't think we can know that. I mean, I think the staff is a, is, is a good staff. I'm on record as saying that. I, I, I like the overall hires that he's made. Uh, but like you said, there's a lot of uncertainty across the conference. I mean, how good is Virginia going to be next year? And they're a team that, that has a returning coach. With as much as they improved from last year to this year and some of the guys that they're returning... I mean, how good is that team going to be? It's it's hard hard telling. What I like about Carolina's schedule is actually part of part of the thing that I like about it is that is that they're playing Wake Forest in the cross division. I mean, they're always going to have State, but in that other cross division matchup, they're drawing Wake Forest uh, as as that as that 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 other one instead of instead of winding up grabbing, you know. Say Syracuse, who uh, who might be a little better, uh, you know. Again, you're, Wake- you're forgetting
3: about Clemson, Jason. Yeah,
2: they I got Clemson as it. I know as I'm a just, cross. I'm, so. I'm just counting that one as a loss, though. i, I I'm, I've already ignored that one.
1: Yeah, but, but Wake fact fact is. That- but Wake still a non-conference <laughs> game, so. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. I forgot about that. That's That, that is marked as non-conference. You, um, you're
1: sounding like a national writer now.
2: Yeah, you're right. And actually what's funny is I'm looking at the schedule right now and I see that marked as non-conference. I like the way that that, that they're getting Wake Forest there. I'm just gonna say that. Um but basically, you know, I, I and again, I, I'm I'm I don't even I've I've blocked off the Clemson game. I've blocked Clemson out of my memory in terms of any anybody playing Clemson next year. Cause I mean, I think you're basically right. As long as the elves are quarterback there, you can basically write them off. But but yeah, I mean I, I I think you're right that, that the lack of certainty is 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 kind of the operative thing. We don't know what we're gonna get, but I do think that one thing we can be fairly confident in is that the quarterback play is gonna be a lot better. The quarterback play should be pretty good among the better on that side of the conference. I mean, is there another another team that you feel better about their quarterback situation than you do Carolina well, I like Bryce. I
3: like Bryce Perkins at Virginia.
2: Yeah, but I that's do, the only I mean, guy I'm looking at. One. Yeah, that's yeah, the I, only one. Yeah, that's probably the only one I'm thinking of because I mean Duke's losing theirs. Virginia Tech. Eh, okay, not great. Georgia Tech. they that whole transition is going to be painful. So you start going down the list. Miami. It's not clear who their quarterback's going to be, and I'm not sure that that quarterback's going to be better than than what Carolina's putting on the field. To me, I look down that schedule and I'm not sure that you're gonna see, I mean, state, they they're losing their guy. I'm not sure that you're gonna see a, a quarterback advantage on the schedule other than Clemson. That's that's a, a clear and defined quarterback advantage and you know, maybe Virginia. And that that helps a lot. So I, I agree with with Greg that you're looking at probably, you know, a, a two and three start and you feel pretty good. Three and th- three and two and you feel great. Because then you, you start to get into the rest of that schedule and, and a quarterback's starting to find his stride. And and you got a chance to to really find your feet in that second half and, and, and get some momentum in that second half of the season.
1: Take a short break, come back. Buck, coming to you, get ready. Buck, let's talk about the back half of the schedule a little bit. We've hit on it. You've hit on it. Greg's hit on it. Jason's hit on it. Uh, at Georgia Tech, that's another, that's a whole different ball game. I think I did see, some Georgia Tech writer tweet out saying, imagine that. Not one team has a bye before they play Georgia Tech. And they said somewhere Paul Johnson's <laughs> got his crap-eating grin on his face, cussing Greensboro. <laughs> but, Buck, looking at it, at Georgia Tech, at Virginia Tech, I do like Duke and Virginia at home, at Pitt on Thursday night. Mercer, that's a win closing the season with nc state since you were an old hat like me you still like that nc state game being on that last weekend
3: yeah i do um i i do think it's a um a better way to close the season uh it's always much better if you beat them but still i think the overwhelming majority of them i think would say nc state it, you can look at the tar pit premium message boards at inside Carolina. If you're not a subscriber, you should be, let me get that plug in, but NC state, if you you know look at what people talk about on our message board, they're much more likely to make a comment about NC state than they are any other team. So it's haven't done this for a lot of years. And, uh, you know, Tommy, uh, I appreciate the anti-ageism remark you made, uh, putting you in my same category, but, um, <laughs> Yeah, I think it's appropriate and right that the NC State game should come last. And uh, the rest of the schedule, you know, you look at every single one of those teams, and up until including Virginia, because Virginia, as well as they played last year, as Jason said, you or Greg, you, you don't really know how good they're going to be next year or what kind of adversity they're going to face and And they're not a team that really scares you with their talent uh, again, going back to the uh twenty four seven composite uh rankings, uh, you know Virginia is at the low end of the scale. Uh, last year, they had one four star player on their roster. Uh, it boggles my mind uh that in a state like Virginia with all the talent that there's that that's there. They've only induced one four-star player on their roster. I'm, I'm sure they're getting some four-star players this year, or I haven't looked at it. I assume they are. But Virginia is not a talent-laden team. And, you know, so much is going to depend upon how quickly the UNC football players can absorb and execute what they're being taught by Mac Brown's staff. So it, when you get into the latter part of the schedule, you have to assume that uh, those lessons are going to be accumulative and that they're going to be grasping and understanding. They're going to be practicing, you know, all those weeks before they get, say, to uh, the Duke game, which comes October 26. you know, Virginia and Pitt and NC State all in November and and even Virginia Tech is mid-October. So, uh, so much is going to depend upon that, uh, how quickly the staff can, can get the players thinking like they think uh, by the time they get to the middle part of that schedule. Um, but, you know, one thought that crossed my mind today, and I'd like to hear other people's comments on it, but especially Jason's, um, this feels like the ACC – in 2019 feels to me very much like uh, the way it felt back in the day when Florida state was beating everybody in the conference by, you know, multiple touchdowns. Uh, Everybody was playing for second place. And I don't think that just applies to the coastal division. You look at the Atlantic division, who is the dominant second place team in that, in that division. Uh, Who who can you look at there and say, oh, well, they're head and shoulders better than anybody else uh, besides Clemson. Uh, So uh, it's not just uncertainty and coastal chaos, which has been a thing for a long time and certainly present again this year, but you you look out throughout the schedule and uh, throughout the teams and the entire ACC and it's Clemson one, the number two team, like 12. You know, it's, uh, (laughs) so it just feels very much to me like the days when, uh, everybody was chasing Florida state. And, you know, I vividly remember back in the day, any time that Florida state lost and as rare as that was, I remember, I think Virginia was the first team to beat them. And, and it was like a massive thing. Somebody finally beat Florida state. Uh, and that's kind of how the ACC feels to me in 2019. Indeed, uh, yeah,
1: I, I'm looking around the league at the conference uh, at the schedules, um, and, and looking at Clemson specifically. Yeah, they're not losing. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're not losing to anybody. Um, yeah, nobody.
0: I, hey, so, was it was it Tiki Barber that scored that touchdown? For was Virginia it, to beat FSU,
1: right there at the end.
2: I yeah, so. that's what I remember. Yeah, although you know most Florida State folks remember the uh, the last play where people, I think, irrationally insist that uh, Warwick Dunn scored on that play. I I still don't think he scored, but you know I I, yeah, I, was, I I've I've had a lot of Florida State fans mad at me over the years on that one, but you know I calls them the way I see them.
1: Yeah, uh, that but, was. I remember watching that game, and like Buck said, that was like a, a huge deal. I, it would be that, equally as big a deal if Clemson loses in the regular
2: season next year. Yeah, I um, agree. Actually, in, 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 compared to, I'll just say this: compared to that Florida State team, this next Clemson team is a whole different level. I mean, that ninety-five Florida State team, that that was a good team, but that was not a that was not an elite elite Florida State team. I mean that that they lost in part because they were more vulnerable than than some Florida State teams had been. They'd lost some guys on defense. You know, they were scoring a lot of points, but they 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 were not the team that they'd been the prior couple of years. That'll, and it'll
3: be a good conversation to have in a future podcast. I, I would I would say that the 2013 Florida State team uh, might give Clemson a run. You know that would be yeah. An I, I think matchup.
2: Yeah, I think that team. You know, I, I actually got asked by some people on Twitter not long ago, you know, what would happen if this year's Clemson team played that team? And my first question was, is Dexter Lawrence, are we are we talking about the Clemson team with Dexter Lawrence or without? We'll say, uh, yeah. Because I, I think that matters. Um, but yeah, I think that would be a ballgame between those two teams. Uh, next year's Clemson team won't be as strong as this year's because of losing all those guys on their defensive front. But... It sure I'm going to take much of a step back, not as long as that kid's playing quarterback. And with those wide receivers they have, that, it's filthy what they've got at wide receiver. And you put, that, you put those guys together, and you're going to have to score a lot of points against Venable's defense to beat that team. And like you guys said, I think the gap between Clemson and the rest of the conference right now is as big as it's been. I, I agree with you, Buck. It's, it's as big as it's been since Florida State was dominating that conference pre, pre-expansion. Because Florida State has slipped, I mean, where they are right now is, I mean, they're they're coming apart, and you know they've they've still got a lot of talent on that roster, but you know USC's had a lot of talent out out west for a while, and if if you don't if you don't handle the organization well, you can have a lot of talent that just looks terrible. Look at Texas for for you know however many years actually toward the tail end of Mac's tenure and and after Mac, they had a ton of. Five star, four star guys, and Florida State still has some of those, but without them to challenge Clemson, uh, I don't see anybody really, really, really doing much against them. I, I agree with you, Buck. The the gap is massive.
1: It, it it'll be fun to watch and see how coaches can get their guys to play, and that <laughs> for for North Carolina fans, that's going to be the hugest thing, and that's going to be the thing why North Carolina fans will overvalue their or, or their expectations for next year will be overvalued. With that, I'm going to Greg Barnes and we're going to set over unders, Greg. I'll go ahead and start. I'll say over under is six. I want to say seven. I'll say seven just to just so I'm not like splitting the baby. But over under for your wins for North Carolina, Greg, just looking at the schedule and knowing what we know now, caveat heck of a lot of change uh before august thirty first
0: you said seven
1: I'll say seven
0: all right i'll go can i push or can i do i have to pick over or under no
1: no 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 you can you can
0: push i'll go I'll go under just for for uh just to make Google fans stuff. yeah i mean i think i think this team will go to a ball game. Um, but I do think, and you bring up a good point there, Tommy. Um, right now, everybody is ecstatic around the North Carolina program. The players are, the coaches are, because we're recruiting. The fan base is, is re- re-energized, which is a good thing. That's I mean, if you hire a new head coach and you're not excited, that means the administration failed. I mean, you know, it, it doesn't take a whole lot to win the offseason. Mac has, has done a great job with that. Uh, And the players are going to be buying in. That's not a question. That's how Mac is. I mean, he's a a fun guy to be around. But what happens when adversity hits? What happens if they have all this kind of build up and they go through fall camp and they get in that South Carolina game and get smacked? What happens then? And so we're really not going to know exactly uh, how this thing is going to play out until we get into the season. And so I I get people saying, I'll see you, eight wins as possible. What's going to happen? We're going to go through spring ball, and everything's going to sound great. After spring ball, what's going to happen? Oh, I think non wins is possible. Then we're going to get to July, and it's going to be fun at ACC kickoff. What's going to happen? I think 10 wins is possible, and they're going to challenge Clemson in the ACC title game. I mean, that's is how these things work. It's not just Carolina fans. It's every fan base in the country. Um, but But I do think you have to understand there's a lot of good, but there's a lot of things that have to happen and they have to happen well, and you have to develop play, players, you have to recruit and you know, upgrade the talent level significantly. And so a lot of things have to take place. So I think all that to be said. I think you set the set the market a, a bowl game. I'll say six and six right now, and then as we get more information coming in with spring ball and all that, we can adjust later.
1: I've got seven. Greg's got six. Jason, where are you on uh, January, whatever we are, 16, 17, 2019?
2: Greg beat me to it because I was going to say six. Uh, I look at it and, uh, you know, again, there's a lot of excitement and I think a lot of reason for it. And this is a team that absolutely could overachieve on that. And, you know, if I'm going to set it at six, I think it's totally plausible that this team could go in and win eight. It's plausible, but it's not what I'd say is most likely. Right. If you get one of the quarterbacks that catches fire, and you know you get a team that plays with great belief, maybe maybe you pull that early upset uh, because I mean South Carolina is going to be favored in that opener. Maybe 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 you open with that one and and you get off to a little bit better start. Yeah, maybe absolutely possible that this team could wind up doing you know doing better than that. But I look at it and I'm, I'm I look at the odds. And I go, well, you know, I think they'll beat App State. I think that Mercer game's a guarantee. I think should should have an edge against Duke. And then I see a lot of 50-50 games or games where they're going to be, you know, they're going to be a, a, an underdog. You know, they're not winning the Clemson game. Uh, you know, I'd favor them against Georgia Tech. But then Virginia, okay, that's probably 50-50 at best right now. Uh, Pitt. Probably close to fifty-fifty. That those games have been razor-thin the last few years. State, you know, if you're optimistic, probably fifty-fifty. So you, there are too many of those games for me to say, oh yeah, let's pencil that one in as a win. So I, I'm I'm with I'm right with Greg. I I think six and six is I think a realistic, uh, maybe even a little optimistic expectation for this first season. But I think, you know, with some improvements, with the quarterback being a little bit better uh, than than some of the uh, some of the opponents on the schedule, I think six and six is right in that that sweet spot for most likely, Uh, you know, five win game, five win team with you know some injuries and so on. Totally possible. Eight win team. Totally possible. Uh, I think that that's your that's kind of your delta is anywhere between four and eight. And I think six is most likely.
1: Buck, uh, you need to uh, raise the expectations because I know people listening to this podcast right now saying those those guys are crazy. <laughs> uh, Mack Brown and North Carolina are going to win at least eight, eight ball games, and I laugh at that. They may, like Jason said, because you know you get a little gun shy after five wins in the past two seasons, and I understand the coaching change, but still. It you know, they didn't change, they didn't swap out all brand new players. And uh so I'm go I'm sticking with seven. I think um if they get the seven or eight, then it's been a gigantic success and then sky's the limit after that. But Buck, you get the last word. Um your prediction in mid January
3: for the two thousand nineteen football season. Well, <clears throat> Let me start by saying that if I had a lick of sense, I would refuse to play this game. (laughs) Uh, Um, but as a antidote, uh, I think uh, it's worth remembering that, uh, I'm going to say this was, uh, July of 2014 at the ACC kickoff. Uh, Jason Staples was there. Greg was there. You were there. I think, um, and we did a podcast from there and Jason and I were kind of talking, uh, during that, uh, event. And I asked him, you know, what his opinion was and he said, well, you know, I think they could go four and eight or they could go eight and four and I'll be doggone if he doesn't have the same answer in 2019. Uh, so what you're saying, he's the only one that's learned. <laughs> exactly right, and and I think that year they went went what seven and six, uh, that uh, six and J- seven ultimately s- in that yeah. year they lost in the
1: the Detroit Muffler Tire.
3: Yeah, that car memorable bowl. <laughs> memorable ball game. <laughs> but you know, uh, honestly, you know anybody that plays this game, they're just doing it for the for the fun of it, and um, you know unlike my usual uh mo, I, I'm not gonna be the one to raise expectations uh for this team. And, you know, there's just too many variables to, you know, jump out there and say, well, they're gonna win at least eight games. And you know, that's um yeah, maybe if everything goes right and they could win eight, maybe they could win more if every single thing uh that can go right goes right. But uh, you know, at this point in January, um I would think that if North Carolina wins 6 games next year, Mac Brown might be the ACC coach of the year. Um, uh, you know, they've won 5 games in the last 2 years. Now, you know, there could be a lot of uh explanations for that, but um, you know, I, I think the point of this first Mac Brown era 2.0 uh is to bring excitement back to the UNC football program, and I'm not going to say regardless, but almost regardless of what the record is, I think Mac Brown will do that. I think he will have the fan base excited. I think there will probably be just as many people uh, wanting to get season tickets this time next year as there are people trying to get tickets this year. Uh, so uh, if you look at the goal uh, of this team – uh you, you know there's plenty of goals they're going to have and and they're going to probably fight for each and every one of them but the main goal i think is just to bring excitement back to Keenan stadium and get people uh you know uh, hyped and ready to go and uh you know what happens in the games happens um uh, and you can count on whatever happens in the game Mac is going to put a positive spin on it regardless. So, uh, that's what I see at stake in this season. And I think North Carolina's is pretty much a, a good way already down that road. Yep, Get the train back on the
1: rails. Um, like I said, six and six, seven, seven or eight certainly does that. I look forward to our prediction show in mid August to see how many of you guys, um, have run up to the hype that'll build before that first game against South Carolina. So but well, I, I, that...
3: I confess to be susceptible to that. You know, by <laughs> the time fall camps over with I'll be uh you know predicting uh a, a coastal division championship I'm sure. <laughs> and and I look forward to people saying this should be the Clemson podcast
1: um when they listen to this and fussing at us about it. But let's let's get real folks. It is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> better Clemson than a couple other teams in the conference doing it. So, anyway, Greg, Jason, Buck, it's always fun to talk football, you guys. I'll miss not doing it as much, but we will get together a plenty over the course of the next few months leading up to that all important preseason prediction podcast in mid August. Thanks, guys. Thanks,
3: Thanks Tommy. Tommy. Thanks, Thanks Tommy. the guys.
0: Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com the independent voice of UNC Sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.